Today, uh, we're going to be talking about the um, voice AI that we have created with a group of women in the field of voice and artificial intelligence, conversational AI. And uh, I'll be walking you through um, a little bit about the history of it, how it all came together. But first, of course, March marks Women's History Month. And just like the brave Iranian women of centuries past, the courage and strength of recent Iranian women defies expectations. And we are making sure that they are heard loud and clear, even via Alexa. So today I'll be talking about what Freedom Speaks is, why now, uh, what's next, and I'll be playing some clips and demos for you as well. So virtual assistants like Alexa and Siri are ubiquitous now. Uh, you have heard of them, you probably engage with them. They use natural language processing to respond to voice commands and provide various services, such as playing music, telling you what the weather's like, playing bedtime stories, uh, setting alarms, and controlling smart home devices. These virtual assistants are fueled by something called large language models, and these are designed to understand and generate human-like responses to a wide range of natural language queries and conversations. So we decided to create a virtual assistant called Freedom Speaks, inspired by brave Iranian women who have demanded women life freedom, Zan, Zendegi, Azadi. Uh, we know that Iran has an incredibly rich and uh, prominent uh, history of female thinkers and writers going back centuries, and uh, this generation stands on their shoulders. So a modern storyteller that combines technology and storytelling can preserve and share stories of women, past and present, through a um, fun device uh, that you can access through any smart device. So with uh, this particular experience, you actually could go right now to your Alexa device and all you have to say is Alexa, play Freedom Speaks. And you will be able to launch uh, the skill. You will be able to ask it uh, to play you stories, poems, or to play a song. Uh, this is a prototype, but we are here to be able to talk about the promise of a technology like this at a time when many Iranians are thinking of ways to support and amplify uh, the work and um, the uh, plight of Iranians in Iran itself. The potential of voice AI and generative AI to change the way we learn and the way we engage with our history and culture is vast. And so Freedom Speaks is really just the beginning. By amplifying their voices and writings through a virtual assistant, uh, we can provide a safe space to share stories, to educate the public, to foster solidarity and help Iranian women feel less isolated and alone in their struggle. This is the remarkable team of volunteers who all came together to build Freedom Speaks. Uh, so we had women from all over the world, from New Zealand, Nigeria, the Netherlands, uh, from all over the United States, uh, who came together as conversational designers, as writers, as voice experts, uh, as leading you know, women in the area of voice technology and women in AI. Uh, so it was an incredible global coming together of women to create this prototype together. And together, we also realized that we needed to bring storytellers, remarkable storytellers together to record all of these poems and stories. Because one way that you can make sure that you uh, are doing things properly is to uh, have permission and uh, bring authors and writers and in the case of having them read poetry from, you know, over uh, 50 years ago or 100 years ago, um, you these aren't necessarily documented through audio. And bringing women together to read them is a remarkable way to be able to get um, this content and data into 
voice AI. And so we brought together incredible women from Dr. Farzana Milani to Mahnaz Afghami to Azar Nafisi to my colleague Jackie Leiden. She and I worked together at NPR for many years to Finis Pagliacci, who uh, donated one of her songs uh, and um, two uh, women in Iran, uh, where she actually um, repurposed one of her songs and called it One Zan. I hope that you will be able to experience that. We also had writer Alice McDermott, and these are some of the experiences that you can hear in the Freedom Speaks experience. Alexa, open Freedom Speaks. I have no fear of storm. The shore is near. Don't you tell me this fearsome sea is my grave. I think of myself and my own gender. If men take no heed of me, so be it. I might look frail, yet in the face of the forceful, my lonesome flesh turns into a mountain of steel. Do not disdain me, man, for when time comes, this short stature of mine will surpass the skies. This is not about fearful whispers in the dark. It's about light and open windows and fresh air. It's about everything useless burning in the fire. It's about a field pregnant with a new crop. This is about a rebirth. It was remarkable as we started to do the research on this project to see how many prolific Iranian women in the past have written uh, stories, poems, lamenting freedom of expression, some of them in secrecy. Some of their poems were only discovered after their passing by their family members, and yet they spoke and they wrote. And now is the opportunity for us to come together and bring this remarkable uh, body of work to new technology. Uh, Dick Davis, uh, who is a celebrated author and translator, has written a book that has compiled incredible number of stories and poetry, uh, poetry by Iranian women. And so we collaborated uh, with Dick Davis, um, and we also collaborated with Dr. Farzana Milani, who you just heard. Uh, she was uh, the translator for the Lioness of Iran, uh, Simin Behbahani. Uh, we had actually worked together on a story at NPR years ago when Simin Behbahani appeared on NPR News. So it is an opportunity to be able to showcase uh, the work of and the writings of Iranian women that resonate so much today still and presented in modern ways. Other stories from Freedom Speaks include uh, Maryam Mirzakhani, who was a uh, mathematician, uh, she uh, won the Fields Medal, uh, considered one of the most prestigious awards in mathematics, a professor at Stanford University. Uh, Qamar Muluk Vaziri, who was a pioneering Iranian musician and composer, uh, despite facing significant challenges as a female musician in a male, female musician in a male-dominated field, she paved the way for future generations of female musicians in Iran. These are the stories that we can capture and make sure that we are preserving them for the next generation. Scholars who are interested in the study of Iranian women's history and culture can now leverage AI technology to create immersive and interactive experiences that bring their research to life and give it new life. AI can serve as a powerful tool to break down barriers, to preserve and promote the knowledge of Iranian women and their contributions in various fields, including science, law, medicine, architecture, environment, politics, and the arts, that many of us in the Iranian-American community uh, know that uh, our community has contributed incredibly in the last 44 years to this country, this beautiful country of the United States of America. Uh, but before the revolution, there were so many ways that Iranian women were um, breaking down barriers, who were contributing in the field of law, in the field of architecture, in the field of medicine. And these are the women who cannot be lost to history. Here is a way through AI to bring them back. 
We started this work uh, through a company that I started called IVAO AI, and we brought together a team of remarkable people, uh, including Key and Robert Molesky, Nikki McClay, uh, Karim Ardalan, Nisa McCoy, and we looked at the opportunities to be able to use voice AI as a way to harness uh, cultural data and be able to even improve cultural data that existed. So we began in 2019 uh, with the invitation of uh, Anusha Ansari and Amir Bani Fatami. We went to the AI for Good Summit in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, I was the co-chair of the cultural track. We spent a day uh, where we had brought together storytellers from around the world, traditional storytellers from Tonga and Fiji, uh, and uh, paired them with AI scientists who were working in the field of storytelling to be able to understand what the promise of this technology can be uh, in uh, bringing new life to uh, storytelling and preserving the past. Then in 2020, we really dug in to see what kind of stories even exist. Um, publicly available data sets exist about women, and we were shocked at what we found that at the time in 2020, uh, many of the data sets that were available only featured women primarily in the arts, uh, women as models, and to be honest, even women in the field of pornography. And it was so demoralizing to see that these publicly available data sets were the ones that were being uh, used when building products. Now, since then, much has improved, but uh, we actually, for a fact, were able to show uh, through our collaboration with Top Coder that uh, more data needs to be created around women in the sciences, in technology, to be able to show uh, the power of women beyond what was uh, currently you know, in publicly available data sets. And then in 2021, I collaborated with my team uh, with uh, three Native American technologists who were from the Navajo, from the Crow tribe of Montana, and from the Eastern Band Cherokee for a look at how we can uh, use artificial intelligence to share stories from indigenous food traditions. And I'm going to be playing a two and a half minute clip from that. This project uh, that you're gonna be hearing was also featured uh, in uh, the New York Times in uh, last year, actually. Do you have a story from Cherokee tradition? Do you know about the three sisters, corn, beans, and squash? Traditionally called Shailu, Tuya, and Kayashekwa, they are planted very intentionally to promote sustainable soil fertility. Shailu is first. She allows Tuya to climb toward the sun, Unelanunhi while Kayashekwa's giant leaves protect the dirt from drying out and allow the three sisters to flourish together. What else would you like to learn about today? Tell me a Cherokee recipe. There is a delicious Cherokee recipe from Mrs. Clifford Hornbuckle for fried corn and beans. It's traditionally called Shailu Ashuyi Tuyu. To make it, you cook corn with beans and pumpkin until they're soft, then add beaten walnuts, hickory nuts, and molasses for sweetness. I bet it's delicious. What else would you like to learn about today? Sina, are you a chatbot? Yes, you can call me a chatbot. I think of myself as a digital storyteller and curator of global cultures. For now, I am a demo with limited abilities, but my creators are working very hard to give me the power to learn and teach people about traditions and cultures from all over the world. So uh, I was very honored that in uh, September of uh, 2021, I was invited to go to the largest uh, summit of Native American engineers in the United States. Uh, and we presented this work there with uh, young students, Navajo uh, students of Native American heritage. And we talked about how they perceive the media, how media representation is perceived 
you know, through their eyes? And what kinds of data are missing that they crave for, that they would like to be able to access on the tip of their fingertips? And I found the courage uh, during that summit to walk into the circle of elders where um, a Navajo elder was there with his son, who was 25 years old. And we chatted, and they gave me an audience. And I said to them, uh, to the son, would you like to learn about the qualities of water and why it's sustainable by your father telling it to you in 45 minutes? Or would you like a chatbot to tell it to you in two minutes? And he literally was like, I would like a chatbot to tell me that in two minutes. And his father started cracking up, but this is the future. Our young generation is craving to get information in new and dynamic ways. And it is our responsibility to find ways to do it responsibly. In um, October of uh, 2020, during the height of COVID, my beloved mom, Lale Bakhtiar, passed away from a rare blood disorder. Uh, we came together with my siblings, uh, Mani Farhadi uh, and Karim Ardalan, and we took the entire body of my mom's work. She was a prolific scholar. She had written over or translated, edited over 100 books. She had given incredible lectures. She had her own personal letters. So we created a knowledge lake where we uploaded this information to a database, and then we took uh, select information from her own writings and we created an AI experience. Now, we were doing this for ourselves, but it was remarkable how through this work, we've heard from other young uh, Muslim Americans, uh, Iranian American Muslims who are inspired to be able to uh, access Lale's information in these new ways. Hey, Google, talk to Lale Knowledge Lake. Salam Alaikum. What can I help you with? Tell me a story from your childhood. I spent all my free time either reading or praying. Among my favorite books were Louisa May Alcott's Little Women, where the absence of a father figure reminded me so much of my home growing up. Oh, yes. I also loved Wuthering Heights and Jane Eyre. These strong women heroines would fill my mind with dreams and visions. I have so many more stories to share with you about my mother Helen and father Abul Ghassim Bakhtiar. I can share my website for more if you like. Tell me more about your research. Certainly, Quranic psychology is the science of the self. Our self consists of body, soul, and spirit. So as we search for the meaning of life, we often ask, what are you? From where have you come? Where will you go? Why were you created? These are questions of profound interest to us now and in the past to those who went before us. What do you think about artificial intelligence? Like a living oral teaching. AI can be used for handing down traditional knowledge. My children are working hard to add some of my writings and books on Islamic psychology and Sufism into this tool. I think that AI is a good way to learn about ancient traditions that can bring more meaning to your lives. Try asking something else. Tell me about your grandchildren. They are the most beautiful and loving humans you'll know. Their names are Saeed, Samira, Rod, Ryan, Aman, Amir, Ryan, and Layla. They are entrepreneurs and actors. They are culinary experts in traditional medicine. They are students, technologists, and digital policymakers. Do you want to see some of our family stories on my website? Yes. I have sent you my website via email. Try asking something else. Thank you, Lale. So the question is, why is now the right time? Why is now the right time for us to come together, even during the turmoil of 
Silicon Valley jobs and economy and uh, people getting laid off and uncertainty. This is the preservation of our heritage. And so it shouldn't have anything to do with the economy. It has to do everything with being inspired by the women and men in our nation, in our homeland of Iran, who are struggling to be heard. They crave to know this history. They crave to hear these stories, to understand them, because in so many ways, the stories of our ancestors inspire young people today in Iran to know what life was like, to know how knowledge was sacred, how women were able to express themselves. These are the types of things that should inspire us to come together. In addition, new machine learning models like ChatGPT are developed uh, by a company called OpenAI that will literally change the way we share information and communicate. Uh, generative AI uses deep learning and algorithms and natural language processing techniques to understand and generate human-like responses to various natural language queries and conversations. Now, I'm not um, naive. I know that these are, uh, tools are also very problematic. But when my team and I started looking into this in 2019, there was nothing like ChatGPT, okay? And that's only 2019. So just imagine if we come into the arena with the power and prowess that we have as Iranian Americans to be able to create a tool like this that is responsible, that is deep, that is thoughtful, that allows our generation, my kids, to be able to access information about Persian poetry in the most, you know, uh, in the easiest way and the most dynamic way in ways that they're used to. So for some reason, <laughs> I went back in my presentation, but that's okay. Because you can review it with me. Um, okay. So by embracing these cutting edge technologies, we can unlock new dimensions of research and analysis and create more inclusive and diverse narratives. And I am preaching to the choir probably. I hope that there are students from Stanford and other universities on this call who already are working on this and who will say amen. We need to come together, but they don't have access to the uh, knowledge base, right? They need to have uh, people like Dr. Abbas Milani and others to be able to say, okay, what are what's the corpus of data that we're going to actually feed to this AI that we're going to strengthen? So the other reason is because we're not included. Once again, the Persian language is not included in the major uh, large language models of today. If you want to use Amazon Polly, for instance, uh, to create a voice AI, Persian is not an, an, an option. If you want to go to Google Translate and ask it how to say Tarof or Tadik in Persian, it's not going to give you the option of hitting that listen button. But you could hit that listen button for every other language or many others, but you can't do it for Persian. There's so many ways that Persian language and the Persian culture are not included in any of these tools. And yet we dominate Silicon Valley as investors, as venture capitalists, as you know, entrepreneurs, et cetera. And I'm coming to you as a journalist, by the way, okay? Sometimes when I do this work, people don't know my exact intentions and my intention is to wake us up. My intention is not to make money. Uh, in fact, I think that all of us who volunteered on this project would be thrilled to gift this project to Stanford or XPRIZE or whoever is willing to put the uh, power behind it to be able to have it grow. So uh, ChatGPT says AI can be used to improve access to information in the Persian language by creating tools such as machine translation, text-to-speech, 
language processing tools, and what we did, right? Freedom Speaks. But again, that's literally just the beginning. So the other reason is that this, what's happening in the world today is not just hype, okay? Uh, I was just doing some research as I prepared for this presentation, and I was stunned to find that a very well-meaning technologist uh, who actually works for Amazon has created this website, Bolbol Zaban, and um, he uh, has created it because you basically can go in and put a phrase and you can click on either matn or share or bait, and it'll tell you a poem. Well, I put Zan Zendegi Azadi, and I was shocked. Uh, for those of you who can read Persian, uh, or maybe Dr. Milani can help me. Literally, it says, Dabir uh, Okay? Dude, that's what the language model spit out. Did you want to correct me, Dr. Milani? No, no, I, I don't want to correct you, of course. Uh, your rendition was perfect. But the translation, obviously, is that uh, some uh, member of the Iranian regime has said that as we have been witnessed in the we have witnessed in the past, Western countries, particularly the United States, have uh, instrumentalized the use of women uh, in Iranian society, and they are out to divert this from its purpose. Uh, it, and it is uh, uh, for this reason that we see uh, some countries follow. Uh, this uh, in other words it is uh, blurting out the exact party line uh, of the bankrupt Iranian regime and this gentleman who is a notorious uh, leader of uh, its human rights commission so it shows how active the regime is uh, in filling uh, the space and we need to unfill it from this garbage yeah I was really shocked because again this was supposed to be a creative little project, Bolbol Zaban, hey, let's put in and, and get some poems. And I decided to test it. And uh, that's why, as you said, we have work to do. And this is more recent. Um, a gentleman on LinkedIn is sharing that he just finished recreating uh, GPT. Uh, and as a joke, he trained it on a tiny portion of Ferdowsi's Shahnameh. The results were quite surprising. Not only did the model learn the structural concepts of the poem, the rhymes, the bars, the syllables, but it surprisingly learned how to generate new poems, which by the way, this is a function of AI, okay? That it can uh, regenerate or poetry that's inspired by data. So that's nothing that we should be alarmed about, but what should we should be alarmed about is that people say that they did it as a joke, okay? Uh, we need to own Ferdosis Shahnameh and it needs to belong um, in a valuable large language model Persian um, endeavor, uh, along with Saadi and Hafez. And it, we also need to be able to put other references because the beauty of AI is that it forms relations for you. So for example, if we had an amazing uh, large language model right now that was Persian, I would say, I would ask it, I would say, what did Ralph Walter Emerson say about Persian poets? And the answer should be that Ralph Waldo Emerson loved Persian poets. And in fact, he nicknamed Hafez, the prince. He had a nickname for all of the Persian poets. What does this do? This shows that there was a time when Persian culture was revered by the most um, innovative and cutting edge American poets of the time that Omar Khayyam was played uh, across many of the states uh, in the United States in the 1900s as songs, as inspirations. And that is what we need to remind AI to tell us, those kinds of connections. That Bucyrus, Ohio is a town named after 
Cyrus the Great, that the uh, mayor or the, the person who settled Bucyrus, Ohio, was inspired by Cyrus the Great. And I actually personally went there. My husband is from Ohio. I stopped by their tourism department. And that's the story. Okay. These are the stories that AI needs to tell our kids about how we have uh, really, we are one and the same when it comes to American psyche, going back to Thomas Jefferson, right? And his love of Cyrus the Great. So what's next? In order for us to take Freedom Speaks to the next level and create a responsible generative AI for the Persian language, the project needs a home and the support and collaboration of Iranian American scholars and technologists. That we can come together and expand the work that we've started. We can come together and create a responsible Persian large language model to preserve culture and language. And if you ask ChatGPT, hey, how can we make you even smarter in the context of Persian language? Uh, these are the things we need to do. We need to come together, decide what kind of data, what kind of audio visual data, uh, what kind of images, what kind of graphics, uh, Persian paintings, calligraphy, architecture. A shout out to my dad, uh, architect Nader Ardalan, my sister, Mani Farhadi, um, and my brother, Karim Ardalan, who has helped me every step of the way. This is what we need to do. It's laid out for us. Hello, this is Mariam Razapur. I'm a product lead with Amazon Alexa AI. Us Iranians feel the urge to take one step forward for Iran, for women, life, freedom. Freedom Speaks is a great example of it, a practical way to bring Iranian culture, language, events, and its richness into lives of many through Alexa. And its future is bright with all the recent advancement in language models. Of course, most language models, top of the list, the ones we know, are optimized for English. Large-scale Farsi language datasets are difficult to compile. However, the hope is that when a language model is sufficiently large, a large training corpus enables it to generalize to new language, such as Farsi, despite limited training data. Together, we can turn our collective grief and anger into action. Thank you. So at a very high level, connecting AI researchers with Iranian studies researchers, librarians, writers, musicians, to create the framework for what needs to happen, to establish a responsible AI doctrine. And we started this at Morgan State University in Baltimore, where we brought together some of the leading AI scientists and storytellers from around the world, and we said, what are the charters of human rights that need to come into play when we think about responsible AI? And the Cyrus the Great um, um, cylinder was one of the first things we talked about, that when it comes to the declaration of humans, citizens, culture, and machines, that we need to create our own Iranian-American declaration of what we're going to include in it. And we need to talk about what tool we want, right? Do we want a chatbot? Do we want an AI tool that's on the web? What is it that we want to do that is going to transform and preserve our language and help amplify freedom of speech? گوش کنید پروژه های مانند آزادی صحبت می کند به ما کمک می کنند نه تنها آینده رسانه ها را تصور کنیم بلکه آن را تجربه کنیم. من درک می کنم دشوار است که بدانیم چرا این مهم است. اما دنیای هوش مصنوعی به سرعت در حال پیشرفت است. قبل از اینکه بدانید فرهنگ ایرانی از آن کنار گذاشته می شود. ما زبان غنی داریم و ادبیات و شعر ما افسانه ای است. به ساختن یک مدل زبان بزرگ و ربات چت صوتی کمک کنید تا میراث و سنتهای خود را زنده نگه دارید. So some of the milestones we came together in October. In November we organized the Roars and Whispers Storytelling Festival. We talked about 
our mission, our vision, uh, data governance. Shabayalda uh, was when we uploaded uh, Freedom Speaks to Amazon for certification, a night of cultural storytelling. And it was uh, in February that the uh, Amazon Alexa was certified and we had our first event February 9th. And now we are joining you here uh, ahead of Noru's and the spring and the season of rebirth. Uh, incredibly grateful to our partners, uh, with Maddie Apple and Buva Shaki from Women in Voice and Women in AI for coming together again, volunteering, providing resources so that this could come to fruition. And I'm happy to uh, take some of your questions and this is how you can reach me if you would like to get more information about the project. Thank you. Thank you so much for that fascinating presentation. We do have a couple of questions and comments coming in. A few people just say, you know, congratulations. This is amazing work. Thank you for sharing it with us. Um, one person writes, what can an average person with some technology knowledge do to help this project? Yeah, I mean, I think that when we came together uh, as volunteers, uh, we created a um, Google sheet and we were like, hey, write what it is that you can do, okay? We need obviously technologists, right? But beyond technologists, we needed researchers. We needed those who were gonna write original stories. We needed people who were going to contact, you know, um, advisors or community leaders to get them on board. So I think that there's plenty that can be done, but to be honest, for this to work, we need technologists, okay? We need Mariam Rezapur of Amazon AI, who was beautiful on her vacation, made that video for me to present to you because she knew how important it was. We need conversational designers and we need um, voice AI experts, and by the way, the platform does not need to be Amazon Alexa. We just did it to be able to do a proof of concept, but it could be through a WhatsApp, right? It could be through another application that is uh, more available even in Iran. So that's why I said one of the conversations is what is the tool that we wanna create, right? The first thing we have to do is create the body of data but then after that, what tool do we want to apply to it? And anyone can contribute, but the high priority has to be um, AI scientists and natural language processing linguists, uh, Persian speaking AI experts uh, and scholars, those two together. I think that answers my next question of you asked how and who would edit and be responsible for the content? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I'm fortunate to have had a career that spanned 22 years at NPR News, where we would go and have editorial meetings every day when I uh, ran Morning Edition Live. And you have to make choices. You're coming together because you trust your team. You trust that you've brought together a diverse and inclusive team that you can rely on. And uh, at certain point, certain decisions need to be made. And that's something that you would agree on from the beginning, that we are going to come together and uh, really look at it as an editorial uh, opportunity, right? And from there, you assign different teams and you make decisions as though you were in a newsroom, a cultural newsroom, cultural heritage newsroom. Thank you. I want to read a couple of questions and comments from your uh, collaborator, Carrie Jacquip. She writes, it has been an honor to have the opportunity to collaborate with this brilliant group. Questions from her for you. Can you tell us about what we discovered with the naming of this project when we started with Zanzi and iterated to Freedom Speaks? That's the first question. And the second question is, what surprised you about working on this project as compared to your uh, VOW projects on cultural storytelling? Great. Yeah. So uh, when we first came together, we, we wanted to call our Alexa skill Zan, Z. Zan for women and Z for Generation Z. And um, at the time, we weren't familiar enough with the rules and regulations of uh, Amazon Alexa certification. And so we were delayed for over a month because at the highest levels, I was working with the 
uh, Amazon Alexa evangelists and technologists to see if we could just teach Alexa the word Zen. Okay, can we just teach her Zen? Okay, can we just do that? No, you picked English language. Zen is not an English word. Therefore, you cannot call your product Zen. I was like, okay, but you don't have Persian. So we can't choose Persian. And obviously our skill is in English, but my name is Iran Davar Ardalan, but I was born here in America. So I am American and you should be able to say Iran, right? Correctly. We had the hardest time getting our voice, um, TTS voices to say Iran, as you know. It was Iran, you know, and we, we had to spell it differently. Like we had to spell Iranian something, I don't know it right now, I don't remember, but it was like E-R-A-H-A -A, because it kept saying Iranian. And so these are the issues, and I'm thankful, Carrie, that you brought it up, that we had to grapple with that delayed the project for over maybe even two months. We were ready to roll with this uh, before the holidays. Uh, but unfortunately, there was a lot of delay because there was a lot of learnings about the lack of um, support uh, and the lack of awareness that we too are American citizens and we should be able to call a product Zen. The, the last question you asked, I mean, I think that, um, Carrie, I'm really impressed by the way that the world of AI and language models have improved since we started iVal. Um, full disclosure, uh, I decided to close my startup in May of uh, 2022, literally over eight months ago. And the reason why was because every door I knocked on, um, they told me that I should probably be a nonprofit and that there was no room for giving me any kind of funding as a startup. And so even though we did a lot of inspirational work and have been mentioned in various research um documents you know throughout cultural ai we we weren't able to make a dent with investors even in our own community thank you um, i'm going to combine a few questions that are uh, similar some viewers ask can ai help detect regime propaganda and differentiate from genuine albeit diverse content can projects like this be co-opted or manipulated? Basically, what are the risks? And I know we're just beginning to see some of these conversations around chat GPT, but if you could share some thoughts on that. Sure. Um, I think that um, we have to be able to be transparent uh, as we build this uh, product. And what I mean is that any response that this uh, chatbot gives has to be able to um, refer to the source of where the information came from and has to be able to be transparent about how it's still growing and learning and that it's probably gonna take five years for this to be complete. Now that doesn't answer directly the, the question of how do you make sure that it doesn't get hijacked. Uh, I think that um, some of that is gonna happen similar to, for example, uh, last year, my Twitter account got hacked before Elon Musk took it over. My, my Twitter account got hacked and they put the picture of Zelensky as my profile picture. And it was hacked to the point where I couldn't even get my account back. <clears throat> Twitter told me that you have to just start a new one. My point is that that comes with the territory, okay? That comes with the territory and you have to make that part of the architecture of how you build this, number one. Number two, you have to be transparent about uh, when you're giving it information where the source came from and, and transparent about how this knowledge base is young and growing. Thank you. We have a, a few uh, um, people asking how they can contact you. If you wouldn't mind putting up your contact slide again, they're volunteering their help with this project and maybe they can reach out to you directly. And then I'll read another question or comment from a viewer who has a concern about the security side on the technology side. They write, could you speak a little bit about the fears of working with Amazon specifically, who is notorious for being a major player in assisting the United States mass surveillance system by selling user and immigrant data to ICE? Essentially, what are the risks of working with platforms like Amazon? I know you said it doesn't need to be Alexa specifically, but what are some of those risks you have encountered? 
Um, well, I think, again, uh, we're only presenting this as a prototype, but I think that we should be able to look in uh, to our own community for these questions because we happen to be the best at this. And um, again, uh, there are other um, platforms like Signal, for example, uh, that has a lot more um, uh, anonymity and um, uh, you know a lot a lot more security around usage. So I think that that's like a list that we can come up with, um, and that's why I said it doesn't have to be Amazon. Um, and it, we can decide what that platform has to be, and obviously the security questions have to be built in <clears throat> from the beginning. Thank you. Is there another model that uses a language other than English that you would aspire for this project to emulate if Persian was possible? Has this been done in other languages successfully? Yes, brilliant question. There's a project called Bloom, B-L-O-O-M. And you should look at that. Bloom is uh, created by a team, uh, various teams in Europe. Uh, and that is the model. That's the model that we should look at. Um, I believe they are now in 45 languages. And I believe that they're very transparent about the number of data that they fed their model. And uh, they're also transparent about their process. So amazing question. Um, if I can <clears throat> quickly look it up, I can put the link uh, and, and send it to you to share with the team. Um, and I might do that while you ask me the next question. I'm gonna look for that. Sure, no problem. Maybe thinking about next steps, what is it that you need to do next? And what is it that you need um, you know, from everyone else in the community to do? Do you need to raise awareness about the project? Is it really mostly technologists that you need to join you? What comes next? If you could speak a little bit more about that. Sure. I mean, I think that, um, as I mentioned um, earlier, uh, my role in this has always been as a storytelling technologist who is interested to push boundaries and to then agitate others to say, okay, now go do it. Uh, I don't see myself or, you know, I mean, obviously members of the team that I've assembled, everyone has different aspirations to be able to see this grow. If this can find a home at Stanford, if this can, can find a home through uh, one of my colleagues uh, had the idea of, you know, uh, doing an X prize uh, competition, you know, putting our putting this into an XPRIZE competition, but uh, it really, really needs to land in an educational institution, to be honest, uh, like Stanford, where you have technologists right there and you have scholars right there, right, to do it responsibly. Um, I would love to be able to continue having involvement, and I, I'm sure members of my team would, but I personally can't do more than what I just shared with you. I can't because I have a full-time job at National Geographic. I have kids, I have family, and I'm not an AI scientist, but I understand the perils of what will happen if we stay idle. Thank you. And a few more requests for you to share contact information for how folks can get in, in touch with you. Um, so it sounds like the project is not at the point yet where if a community member reaches out and wants to include a story from their family, other poems, um, anything like that, it's not at the point where that can be entered directly into the project yet. But no, no. And, and I would ask that we discuss, you know, when I start hearing from uh, different people, if there's, you know, an opportunity to uh, make note of those, but we have to be careful because we don't want to get into a scenario where before we've talked about the foundations and the framework and the responsible AI side of it, that we start gathering a lot of information. I think that's not the way to do it. Based on what we just experienced, uh, that there's going to be a lot of questions about like, why did you choose this over that? And I think the first step is to be able to have a thoughtful conversation about what needs to be included. And Bloom, as I mentioned, uh, is a perfect way for us to, you know, reach out to them and learn more. Great, thank you. Um, I think Dr. Melanie wanted to say a few words about an upcoming event that we have that is related to this. 
somewhat. Yes. First of all, thank you very much for this wonderful uh, presentation. I hope uh, Stanford can help. Uh, I know you and I have a, a meeting set up later to talk to people who know more about this. Uh, in terms of people contributing their own stories, uh, I think there is a site already that people can do that. Iranian Americans can do that. There is a project called Iranian American Contribution Project uh, that is trying to both figure out what contributions Iranian Americans have made to the economy. Uh, it is brilliantly laid out. It uses artificial intelligence. Uh, we've had a couple of programs on that project at Stanford. Uh, and, and another conference that we have that is coming up in uh, April uh, is going to include some of the uh, most uh, prominent Iranian-American entrepreneurs. Uh, and uh, at least uh, three of them are truly giants in the Silicon Valley engineers uh, uh, and uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, Faye Aljaman uh, from Silicon Valley, Siavash uh, Alamuti uh, from Silicon Valley, Faraj Alai from Silicon Valley. Uh, they're each, I'm sure you know, uh, very, very successful uh, in Silicon Valley. Afsane Beshlas, arguably the most successful Iranian finance sphere. Uh, she's going to be there. Sean Tejarati, uh, second person in command of Honeywell, is going to be there. And Hamid Mukhadam. And clearly, one of the things we're going to raise with them, uh, I'm going to raise, I'm going to be moderating, is how the community can help projects like this and can help pressure on Silicon Valley to include Persian. Uh, I think Persian, in terms of a number of people who use it globally, uh, is not an insignificant language. It isn't just Persians that use it. I think uh, 29 different countries have minorities or majorities who speak Persian. So uh, I'm very grateful for your presentation. I'm very grateful for all the work you've done. And I hope we can help you maintain this. There are a lot of things that I, I, I have no, I know nothing about AI except what I've learned from you and a few of colleagues. Uh, but as you said, Stanford is the place that AI has a very important role. And finding a way to combine technology with financial support that this is going to need if it's going to land anywhere, Stanford or anywhere else. Uh, but you, I think, have started something major. And uh, uh, I am grateful to you. I commend you. And I wish you success. Uh, I'm not surprised that an Ardalan has done this. Uh, the Ardalans have done great things. Uh, and uh, I've had the good fortune of meeting some of them, uh, the last one being you. So thank you for uh, gracing our program with your presence and with your uh, project. Thank you so much. Just been remarkable. And uh, shout out to Dr. Farzana Milani for also championing this from the very beginning. Thank you so much, Ms. Ajalan. I want to um, just mention one last viewer um, who mentions that they are currently in seventh grade, but, um, and they're joining this call. They said their mother's from Iran, and they're very interested to help with this project. So I think it's wonderful to see Generation Z and beyond being interested exactly as you hope that they would be. So thank you for, for joining this call and for sharing your work with us and for um, expanding this project. Um, for everyone who is asking for contact information, it's been shared in the chat, so you can reach out to Ms. Ajalan directly to follow up. Uh, thank you so much, and we hope to see you again soon. Take care. Thank you.